Hello, Mississippi and abroad. This is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and we welcome you to another edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast that brings you all the relevant talk on Ole Miss, Mississippi State, the SEC. We're going to cover everything, folks. We'd like to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. Lots of good things going on there at OPC for youth and adults alike. Pickleball, fencing, a lot of other activities getting geared up uh, for fall seasons right now, not to mention flag football and so much more there at OPC. I'm joined by Michael Katz, our Ole Miss beat writer. Michael, how are you, man? Good, good. It's uh, you know, a, lot, a lot of people told me that when I got here, I would be sweating off a lot of water weight by being at practice. And I think so far, so good. I, th- I think I'm going to be quite svelte in the next couple of weeks just by uh, just by existing. Yeah, that's that's good, man. You can, you know, practice can do that to you, uh, particularly uh, this time of year. You know, you, you get into uh, look, September is going to be a repeat of August, but you get into uh, October and, you know, it can be quite pleasant at times there, October and November. I'm really I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, practice is open Uh when Lane Kiffin was hired, I thought it was trending toward uh, closing a little bit, practices not being uh, open really at all. Uh, that seemed to be kind of the vibe that I was getting at that time. Then the pandemic came and it didn't, didn't matter. It was closed everywhere for everybody uh, and everything was on Zoom. So it's been good to get out and see some things. And what was so interesting yesterday, Michael, was that the defensive coordinators came out to play. You, you know, assistant coaches don't speak very much uh, for the media. Uh, that's Lane Kiffin's policy, The what I call the full Nick Saban mode there, the, the one, one clear voice kind of thing. Uh, but it was good to hear from those guys, and I, I know you enjoyed that. Tell me, uh, tell me what you learned from them yesterday. It's always really interesting when you get, you know, the, the co-coordinator thing because they're two very different – personalities um you know dj durkin was very um he kind of played it close to the vest in, in terms of you know we're, we're turning the page you know last year was last year you know obviously it was bad but we're looking at 2021 it, it's it, it's a whole new thing and then chris parsers came in afterward and he was full on no we we need to wear this like we know how bad we were we think about that all the time that's what's going to make us great is remembering how bad we were and how bad we were statistically. And that's the motivation that, that that's going to make us great. And it was just really interesting to sort of hear those two different dynamics. Um, you know, uh, you know, Durkin's been a head coach, you know, he, he, I, I think th- there are two different mindsets. There's, there's the business front and then Partridge just really kind of seemed like, um, you know, he was okay with, with letting the guys, know that they were terrible last year. And it was just really fascinating to hear that different dynamic literally five minutes after the other. It was, it was, it was really interesting to hear that. And, you know, obviously they're both really excited for, you know, uh, how much better this defense can be. They're excited about the new playmakers and whatnot, but just to sort of hear their different sort of takes on, on how they're, they're, they're handling going into 2021. I thought it was really, really interesting. And, and like you said, it is, it is always interesting to hear from coordinators because they do offer a very different perspective on things. Yes. I wish we heard from them uh, more often would like to hear from 
Jeff Levy, too. We're going to get to him in a moment. Uh, I heard uh, both of those guys, I believe, say that uh, this improvement started <clears throat> last season, that they felt like they were playing better last season at the end. I would agree with that. That defense was bad last year, and if there is no improvement, uh, Ole Miss will lose games this season because of defense, lose games that, uh, that they should win. But there was some improvement at the end of last year. I, I thought that that they became a defense that could be adequate for stretches of time during the game, not necessarily the overall picture, and they would give up a big play or something that would lead to those statistics that you're talking about. But they got to where they could do okay for stretches of time. I mean, uh, in that 44-41 to 41 game in Lexington, Lane Kiffin's first win as Ole Miss coach, they don't get that win if the defense doesn't come up with three straight stops in the second half because Ole Miss trailed by two touchdowns a couple of times in that game. So they, they got some stops and they were able to, to come back and, and they had some moments, some flashes like that, but in the big picture, they were bad. They've got to be better. They think they, they will be better. And uh, you know, I, I thought it was uh, interesting to hear, as you say, a, a different take uh, from those guys last year and they talked about improvement in in segments but uh what did they have a are they hanging their hat on a position is it defensive line is it the secondary is is there a group back there that they think is going to kind of spearhead this improvement well I, I, I think they're really excited about the secondary because there are just so many bodies coming back that have played significantly um you know, one of the guys that they brought up yesterday was was Kedron Smith and and um, you know uh, Chris Partridge could just was gushing over just the sort of sacrifices that he's made moving from corner to safety. A guy who's you know started from the majority you know three years basically, and, and they asked him to move to safety, and as Partridge said, he didn't bat an eye. And you know guys like that, and they've got you know obviously Jalen and. Um, they're really excited about Jake Springer coming over there, um, being able to play this year. I, I, I think that, you know, where the numbers were bad last year in, in the past defense and all that kind of stuff. But I think they're excited about not only the, you know, the experience that you know, they have coming back there, but the sort of personalities and type of, of you know, character guys, you know, it, it, not all teams are, are led like from guys in the secondary, but, and you can throw Otis Reese in there too. You know, he's one of the emotional leaders on, uh, on that defense. And I, 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 I kind of get the feeling that a lot of the, the high character guys are kind of coming in that secondary, which I don't know if I'd say it's rare, but I think it's something that is, is uh, I, I think they're really kind of banking on that group coming together and, and kind of helping the rest. You know, obviously, you know, they said they're they're excited about Sam Williams. They've kind of settled down on putting him at end finally after kind of being all over the place. And, you know, it sounds like he's going to be a really big piece, obviously, if he can kind of, you know, put it all together for not just stretches. Um, but I, I think that secondary is, is, is going to be a really big key. I thought it was very interesting to see the Kedron Smith move inside to safety. Okay, uh, That tells me that they really like what they have at corner. Uh, I know Jalen Jones is there. Uh, I know that uh, DeAndre Prince uh, coming back uh, into the program uh, is big. How do you see these, these corners shaping out? What kind of bodies do they have there? 
Well, like you said, you know, it's, it's, it's not very often that you can ask a, a starter to move. Um, and so I, I think, like you said, I, I think having Jalen back is huge. I've, I've kind of alluded to this before, but I, I don't think you bring a guy like that to, you know, SEC media days if you don't think he's going to play a big part. And so I, I think they're expecting big things from him. Um, you know, you just sort of look, you, you go down the roster and you kind of see these, you know, if you kind of think back to maybe like the 2013, like Seahawks, when you had those kind of lankier corners, those bigger guys, you kind of get the, you, you, you kind of get those bigger guys on the outside. And, then you, you know, you look and they're all like six, one, six, two. I think the shortest you're seeing is like six foot. And uh, I, th- I think they like the ability. I think they like the skill. And, and when you can have those guys on the outside and, and you can, you had the luxury of moving the guy inside because you think that's your quote unquote weaker spot. Uh, I, I, I think they're feeling pretty dang good. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, offense, man. Uh, Micah Pettis uh, is not a name I thought I would be saying a whole lot during camp, but uh, I'm intrigued by the offensive line right now. I am intrigued by the addition of a, of a guy who has made a lot of power five conference starts at center and got some all Pac-12 uh, mention in 2019. Then kind of, you know, things didn't work out for Orlando Umana uh, at Utah, and he got in the portal. But, you know, here he is running first team. Uh, I think if he becomes a center that they can hang their hat on and they can keep Ben Brown at guard, that line goes from pretty good to, I think, really good and, and makes makes a big difference. But uh, you brought up the Micah Pettis name yesterday, a, a true freshman, a really big guy, uh, getting some reps in there. And, uh, look, that's that's intriguing as well because they just didn't substitute much last season. Uh, I know that uh, Lane was not really pleased with his depth, probably. Uh, that development of depth was an issue in changing offensive line coaches at such an awkward time. Uh, but just tell me about this group. Uh, you know, what have they looked like uh, early in camp? And, and look, it's a physical position where the, you know you're going to see a lot more of what they look like when the pads go on. But just kind of in terms of groupings and and who's getting on the field, uh, what what's that bunch looking like? Yeah. So the funny thing with Pettis is, you know, I I thought I was seeing things because you know he's he's six eight. It's hard to miss. Uh, and I, I, I saw him at guard and I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm seeing a six, eight guard right now. And then I was like, well, you know, I don't, I don't think I could, I could make up a six, eight person in my, my head. So I'm pretty sure that was what I was seeing, but you know, and I, you know, they've talked about this, that, you know, during this time of year, you're going to be rotating bodies in and out and you're trying to see where guys fit and whatnot. But, you know, when I saw the line, yeah, Monday with, uh, you know, Orlando at center and, and, um, uh, you know, Ben Brown and, and, and Connor and all, you know, all the, uh, the sort of typical suspects. It, it, I think of the, the, the thing that I thought, and we kind of, the rest of the media, we all kind of said this was, that looks like an SEC offensive line. And what we mean by that is like, that looks like one that wouldn't be outmatched by the better teams in the conference. You know, sometimes you can look at a line and say, Ooh, they're gonna they're gonna get pushed around. You look at that group; it, it, it doesn't look like a group that's that's gonna get bullied. And and I think that 
you know, kind of, you know, when you got Jerry James and, uh, and broker and, um, you know, all those guys, all these guys have so much experience. I think, you know, not only, you know, if you're putting true freshmen out there, they usually look like true freshmen. You can usually tell from their bodies and, uh, you go against Alabama and they're going to end up on the ground a lot. You looked at that group out there with all these guys who have played significantly and, you know, Orlando didn't play, you know, he hasn't played at, uh, at, at Ole Miss yet, but again, he made a lot of starts at, in, at Utah, which has been really good at developing, you know, guys on the line. And, you know, I just, I kept looking out there and I was like, that looks like a really solid unit. Um, and again, in the SEC where the trenches is where everything kind of starts and ends. Uh, I just couldn't help thinking that, you know, this looks like a really legitimate group and, uh, you know, obviously depth is huge and, um, you know, injuries and all that kind of stuff. But even when, you know, you, you know, they throw in Micah Pettis, that dude looks the part too. He might not be ready yet, but he looks the part. And so you kind of see, it, it looks like they're getting the right type of guys, for the line and you look at that starting group or who we assume is going to be the starting group. They, they, they look legit. And I think that's, that's going to be really big because if, if that is settled, it's hard to find any weaknesses on that offense. I know people are worried about, you know, Elijah Moore and whatnot, but I, you know, I've been looking at the receivers and other than the, other than the occasional drop, which uh, we, you know, we, <laughs> we've talked about, uh, I don't think they're going to have any trouble getting open. Uh, they, they've, they, they've got some really talented guys and obviously the running back group is great. Um, Matt Corral is Matt Corral. I, I, I think if that line is as good as it looks, they're, they're going to be tough to stop. Yeah. Everybody wants their offensive line to be physical. I mean, you, you, you think of that at that position, but sometimes you have to do it with smoke and mirrors and you have to do it with scheming and motion in the backfield and some things like that. And, and, and Ole Miss, frankly, has has been able to do some of that uh, in recent years. But uh, to put out a line that, as you say, is not going to be bullied, but one is going to uh, one that is going to enforce its will, impose its will uh, more often than not. That's a different dynamic altogether. I mean, it, it really is. It you know, it's uh, <clears throat> it just opens up a lot of things if you can get there. You mentioned the receivers. Um, I know that there's always a lot of interest in John Rice Plumley. Uh, there have been from the from day one when it was um, uh, imagined or speculated that he might move to wide receiver. Uh, immediately, the comparisons to Julian Edelman, you know, comparisons to you know that guy who just you know gets open and makes tough catches and and just catches the ball. You know, it seems like such an easy thing at the wide receiver position you just expect that guys are going to catch the ball but that's not always the case and uh Elijah Moore was, did such a good job of that with contested catches and I'll tell you uh just when I was there uh, on Monday that's what I saw from John Rice Plumley contested catches and I think that above everything else is so important at inside receiver but uh you mentioned Braylon Brown I and mean, he's a guy that uh, that has uh, shown out as well. If if you had to pick, uh, you know, in your mind, uh, three or four receivers, five maybe that, that we're going to settle into a rotation, 
Uh, can you give us an early count on that? I know it's going to change as uh, as the pads go on, but uh, what 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 have you seen so far? I mean, obviously, you know, you got the kind of the the, the typical suspects in in Ontario and and uh, and Mingo and uh, you know Braylon, uh, the other Braylon. But uh, you know, I, I think if you're looking for that, you know, I, and I know people get really excited about John Rice Plumley because he's John Rice Plumley, but he's gotten a lot of work, uh, you know, and it's not like he's running with the twos. I mean, he's gotten a lot of, uh, of number one work and, and he doesn't, I think the biggest thing is he does, he doesn't look lost. He looks comfortable and like he, he just, he gets open, he, he catches it. Um, he's, I think he's going to be really interesting to watch again, you know, to, to expect him to, you know, catch a hundred passes is probably unrealistic, but I think he's going to be a really big part. And then just, you know, Braylon Brown, I had to keep looking to make sure he was a freshman because he's just huge. Uh, he does not look like, you know, a teenager. Um, and he was making some catches yesterday in, in tight coverage in between defenders. Um, I, I think those big body guys are so important in college football, um, especially when you get down toward the red zone. Um, you know, you can have all of the, you know, smoke and mirror, you know, six foot guys you want. But when you have a big target like that, I, I think it, it makes life a lot easier. And uh, I think he's going to make Matt's life a lot easier. Again, you know, the whole freshman thing, it's always a little bit weird because sometimes you see them getting a lot of run in practice and then they like don't see the field and that's you know you, again it, this time of year it is hard to say what it, what it's really going to look like but he i think he's been I, mean, I know it's only been two days but i think he's been as impressive as any receiver just because he's he's making the difficult catches and i think that's that i think that's going to be a big part in in getting to where this offense wants to go well, it's it's like using Micah Pettis right now. I mean, right now it's it's uh, it's a validation for that player of of what the coaches see in them. They think they can develop that guy. Okay, or you're not getting those reps right now at any position. I really think it's going to be interesting at slot receiver to watch. And and we're not even talking about some guys like JJ uh, Helsley, uh, the transfer. I mean, there there are other guys who will factor in here. Look. Um, Jerry on Ely, he's going to line up at slot. Okay. They're going to move some guys out. So there are a lot of people who will, uh, who will factor in there. Um, but uh, I, I really think slot, uh, something to watch at that position is going to be who has the fewest drops in camp between Jonathan Mingo and John Rice Plump. Okay. I think that's going to factor into uh, who gets a lot of snaps there. All right, real quick, uh, Michael, we got a few minutes left here. Uh, Jeff Lebby, uh, while he doesn't speak to media, did speak at the Women's Football Forum uh, a week or two ago, and when he was there, made the statement that Kincaid Dent was going to be the number two quarterback. Okay, That's not what we're hearing from Lane Kiffin early this camp. Sounds like a competition there. Uh, I know on Monday I saw Luke Altmaier get a lot of reps. You know, you, you 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 want to give you want that guy engaged. You want a freshman like that to, to get his reps, and they're not going to be at number one, so they're going to be at number two. Okay, so but but uh, Lane describes that as a as a competition now. It's a really strong competition between Kincaid Dent and Luke Altmaier for number two behind Matt Corral. What what are you seeing there? 
Yeah, I, I, I think I kind of had the assumption that it was going to be Kincaid number two kind of clearly. Um, but you look at, at the reps and they're getting pretty equal number two reps. And um, you, you talk about guys who look the part. Kincaid looks the part. He's a big, strong kid. Uh, he, and he, he makes some really impressive throws. But Luke does too. And, you know, he's a little bit smaller, but uh, they – they clearly like him, and and I, I do think it's it's again it goes back to you're trying to get guys reps and and whatnot, but and it is kind of hard to see putting a freshman as your number two, you know, if if something were to happen to Matt. That being said, uh, I you know coaches love competition, and and when it's not, you know, maybe as as front runner as you know we thought going in. Might as well make him work for it. Um, I, I, I think I think the biggest thing is that John Rice is not working at quarterback. So it's clearly it's a battle between those two guys. John Rice just has to worry about playing wide receiver right now. I don't think I've seen him make a throw yet, which I think is is big because it means you just you work with the receivers, you get good at that, you let Kincaid and Luke figure it out, and so. I mean, I think when it's all said and done, it's going to be Kincaid just because I think experience does matter. Um, but it's always good to have a bottle. I don't think it's good when some, when a guy just gets handed a, you know, a position on the depth chart. And I, I think I think Lane's going to make him work for it. And I mean, he's always going to play coy with us. But. Uh, I, 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 I do think it, it is a battle, but I, I would be surprised if it's, if it's not Kincaid. Yeah, I liked Kincaid Dent when I saw him in high school. I liked his athleticism and skill set and those things. And you could tell then he was a project guy, not a lot of stars on his recruiting profile. He was going to need uh, to put on weight in a college conditioning program, and he's done those things. Um, but, I, you know, it could also be a relationship thing here, you know, in a battle – if all things are equal, you know, maybe a coach tends to uh, lean toward the guy that he recruited. And for Lane Kiffin, that would be Luke Altmyer. So I, it, it's, uh, I, I don't think it's given right now where, you know, maybe it looked like that, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Looks like, uh, look, they're splitting those, uh, those reps and, you know, something to keep an eye on there at, uh, at QB2 for Ole Miss. Best plan for Ole Miss? is that QB1 stays on the field. And, uh, you know, lots of good things uh, coming for this Ole Miss offense, certainly it looks like. I'm intrigued by what I see early with the offensive line. Folks, that will wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, talking uh, all the relevant topics of Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and the SEC. Michael, thanks for being with us. Folks, thank you for clicking in with us, and uh, come join us again.